morning. Our children can be dismissed to Children's Church now, and uh, they'll be invited back in later on, so they can head out and go to Children's Church if they'd like to do that now. What a great opportunity. Parents can certainly take them if they choose to do that. We're going to be in the book of Deuteronomy if you want to take your Bibles out and turn there. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's the fifth book of the Bible. And the Torah, written by Moses. Well, written by God through Moses. We, uh, we're in the Family of God series and um, looking at uh, just some specific things about our growth and our spiritual growth and development as believers. Um, we've looked at two aspects of that over the last couple weeks, and this is the third aspect of it. Then we're going to head into um, another series leading up to Easter. Um, and that series, we're actually going back to it. It's kind of an ongoing thing. You'll find that at our church. We have several series that aren't quite done yet. So we pause and move on to something else and come back to it. But um, this week, we're going to finish up and then pause the Family of God series. And then next week, we're going to head back into the um, Shadows of Christ series, where we see the shadows of Christ in the Old Testament um, and the shadows of the reality that is Christ uh, and his fulfillment of those, those uh, shadows or of those prophecies uh, as it pertains to, to us and our salvation. So that'll lead all the way up to, to Easter and on Easter Sunday. Um, we will look at um, actually Jonah in the belly of the whale, right? Or fish, three days and three nights, as with Christ was in the heart of the earth. So that's where we're going to head pretty soon, and then we'll, uh, we'll go somewhere else from there. But uh, today we're finishing up, like I said, the family of God. Um, the last couple sermons we've done, uh, we've looked at the family of God, and we've looked at its training and instruction. And so as we look at our spiritual growth, that's kind of the first step in this. And, and what I hope to do for you, and it's, it's helping me spiritually, just personally, but, but looking through these three aspects of growth, you might identify where you are or where you're lacking. Uh, last week, so we started with uh, training and instruction, and then last week we looked at uh, it's, it's love. What is the church's love? And that should be the Lord Jesus, right? And with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That as we are trained and instructed, we're kind of given some parameters. We're kind of answering the, the what does God want us to do or, or, or like what should we look like as a people of God? And then <clears throat> last week we looked at it's love, and that answers the question, why? Why do we do what we do? Why do we practice what we practice? And, and why should I embrace that from my heart as, as how I should obey? So it's, it really is loving the Lord or God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when I get it with my heart, then I'm more easy uh, to apply it, right? If I, if I can't get it with my heart, I typically don't apply it, right? And that's today's uh, lesson on the family of God is it's devotion. It's devotion. You'll see that in the title of your sermon notes. It's devotion. And we talk about it's devotion. This really is the how, we, we found out about the what, we, we, we understood the why, and now it's the how. How do we apply what we have learned? How do we apply the truths of, of the scriptures of God? This is the application uh, effect of this. So again, we looked at the parameters in the what or the training and instruction. We looked at the affections of the heart in the church's love and really try to wrap our own heart around the things of God uh, and, and the truths of scripture. And today we're looking at the application part, uh, the how do we do this, and it's, it's devotion, the church's devotion to the Lord, all right? Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, and then we're going to get into the scriptures together, okay? Let's, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we, we pause now just to acknowledge who you are. We thank you that you are God and we are not. Although we admit there are times, probably more often than not, we try to become our own God. Lord, help us to not do that. God, help us to surrender our heart and our will to you. God, to let you rule and reign over every aspect of our lives. 
you are a good God, and God, we, we don't need to be in charge. We mess things up when we are. God, today as we come together, <clears throat> we come together to worship you and, and to hear from your word. God, to grow and God, to give of ourselves to the kingdom, but also to one another. God, help us have a deep devotion for you and for one another. God, open our hearts and, and soften our hearts. God, may, the, may the eyes, uh, our eyes and our ears be attentive, <clears throat> ready to listen, ready to see what you would have for us. God, that we'd we be ready to set aside what we, ever, what we might have thought was right or what we, we hoped was correct. But God, if there's something that we need to renew our mind with from your scripture, that you would, you would help us replace what was false with what, what is true. <clears throat> God, I know there's so many different things going on in our church family as well. And God, there's things to celebrate like new babies, Lord. There's uh, things to celebrate like victories in families, God, and, and over sin. And God, um, people who are doing well in life with their neighbors or with their, their careers and jobs. But God, there are also those who are struggling. God, whether it be with illness, God, or God, with cancer. God, with hardships. God, with upcoming surgeries. God, their health is in, in poor shape. God, we just, we remember them today. We lift them up to you. We thank you that you are a good God. We thank you that we can bring these prayer requests to you, that God, you are not removed from your throne ever. Nothing surprises you. Lord, so we, we bring our hurts to you and we bring our hopes to you. God, we bring our joys to you. And we are thankful that you hear us. We're thankful that you see us. And God, as we yield to you, we're thankful that you give us strength when we are weak. Because Lord, we are weak. Strengthen us. May we hear from you. May we know you better. May we grow to love you more and to follow you more closely. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, we are in Deuteronomy chapter, <clears throat> chapter 6. And I'm going to read uh, verses 10 through 21. We've kind of already gone through 1 through 9 together. So we're going to look at 10 through 21 today. And uh, you can follow along there if you would. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would give you, a land with large and beautiful cities that you did not build, houses fill, full of every good thing that you did not fill them with, cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olives, olive groves that you did not plant. And when you eat and are satisfied, be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, worship Him, and take your oaths in His name. Do not follow the God, other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God. Otherwise, the Lord your God will become angry with you and will obliterate you from the face of the earth. Do not test the Lord your God as you tested Him at Massa. Carefully observe the commands of the Lord your God, the decrees and statutes that He has commanded you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that you might prosper and so that you might enter and possess the good land that the Lord your God swore to give your ancestors by driving out all your enemies before you, as the Lord has said. And when your son asks you in the future, what is the meaning of the decrees and the statutes and the ordinances that the Lord your God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. This is the word of God. As we look at this today, this is going to kind of wrap up the application 
And I hope to dive into this passage and help us see what does it mean to apply what we know and what we have believed with our heart in our daily lives. So again, we're looking at the family of God and its devotion, and we look at number one. Its devotion is careful remembrance. Number one is careful remembrance. You see today that in front of me is uh, the elements for the Lord's Supper. We are participating in remembrance and partaking of the Lord's Supper today together. Uh, what, a, what an amazing way to, to carefully remember. But we are, as a people, to carefully remember. Now, here, here's what I said last week. I want us to be clear. Last week I said we are so quick to usually what? Jump ahead. Like, like we are people that are, are just, we try to just cut, cut to the chase, give me the point, what do, tell me what you need me to do. Right? So we go for that, that self-help book that says the five tips to success or the magazine rack that changes every month to different success tips, but we still go to it over and over. We want to apply. Just tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. I mentioned that even in some marriages or some, some uh, even lives of our, our peoples I've interacted, they just want, like, just show me, tell me what to do. Like, I, I could tell you all day what to do, but if you don't really believe it from your heart, you're not going to do it. So as, today as we look at this application, you're going to, some of you might be like, I, I feel cheated. You should have given me a more succinct step-by-step how, how to do this. It's probably because, if you feel that way, it's probably because you haven't really gone back and really believed what the Lord has said to you. And really with your whole heart said, I want to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I want to love my neighbor as myself. I'm going to, I'm going to embrace that. And what God says is, is truth, and that's what I'm going to obey. Because if you're not there, when, you come, when it comes to application, you will be at odds with who? God. We don't like to say that either, do we? I'm not at odds with God. I just want it my way. That means you're at odds with God. Newsflash, Right? So today, as we look at number one, it's devotion, it's careful remembrance. It's like, Brandon, that's, come on, that's too easy. No, it's not. It's very, very difficult. Careful remembrance is very difficult, but it is the most helpful thing that we can do to really apply God's word and God's, God's rules to our life. Look at Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 12. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would give you a land with large and beautiful cities. Now, here, look at this, that you did not build something to remember here what we have and the salvation we enjoy you didn't do that so when he brings you to the cities you did not build and houses full of every good thing that you did not fill them with and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant and when you eat and are satisfied man what a what a great picture of the lord's salvation of us right he pursues us and pursues us and draws us to himself and says, come in to, to the, the promise and to the covenant of what I have, I have promised you and the blessing that I have promised to you. Come in by faith. Repent of your sin and turn away from the idols that you embrace and come to me by faith and you will be satisfied. You will be forgiven. You will understand who I really am. But when you understand that, you understand that it wasn't because of something that you did. It's not because of something that I have done or accomplished. He says, and when you eat and are satisfied, and verse 12 says what? Be careful not to forget who? The Lord. Be careful not to forget the Lord. Now, if the text says that, it probably implies what? That we are a forgetful people. We are a forgetful, forgetful people. You and I will have the propensity to walk out these doors today and forget that we ate and were satisfied. To forget that, 
how good the Lord is. And when we, when we head out of here and, and get, get on with our busy lives and get ready for the day tomorrow and whatever might come, we start to, to kind of blind ourselves to the truths of who God is. And God says, don't do that. If you want to apply what you are learning in your life, if you want to apply and, and the spiritual growth that we've talked about, you and I need to be careful to not forget or be careful to remembrance. He says, uh, be careful not to forget the Lord who what? Who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of a place of slavery. Part of that careful remembrance is remembering you and I, before we had Christ, were once slaves to sin and death. And the Lord is the one who brought us out of that slavery. I didn't. I couldn't. But He did. And, and today as we partake in the Lord's Supper, as we partake in remembrance of Him, we are doing exactly that. We are saying, Lord, I am right now being careful, devoting myself, to, to, devoting myself, devoting ourselves to you to carefully remember that when I couldn't and when I didn't, you did. You did it. And that's what we say when we remember. Psalm 77, it says, I will remember the Lord's works. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all that you have done and meditate on your actions, God. God, your way is holy. What God is great like God? You are the God who works wonders. You revealed your strength among the peoples, and with power you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. This is God, the God of all power, that, that rescue, came to our rescue to, to draw us in to a relationship with Him, a relationship that we are no longer slaves or, or, or dead in sin. We are now sons and daughters of God and alive in Christ Jesus. And this is the difference. We walk around, especially as, as kind of entitled Americans, like, I, this is my attitude. Like, do you get up in the morning? Okay, Brandon, you've, you've got this. You've got this. Here we go. I, I, I struggle with that all the time. <clears throat> I've said it so many times. Like, right before I walk up here, I am undoing that thought in my mind. I don't walk up here like, okay, Brandon, you got this. You got this. Because I don't. I bow in prayer and say, God, I don't got this. You better show up. You better take care of it. You better be my strength because I am weak and I'm a little freaked out. I don't got this. I need him. And I ought to remember that day in and day out. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. I wasn't going to summarize this, but I really think it's important to read. I want us to understand this power that we have from Christ. He says, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness. Now, we could stop right there and say, oh, good, right there. I know that I can apply what I have learned because God's power will give me everything I need. Sounds easy, right? It's not. We forget a lot, and we need to be careful to remember. So he goes on, he says, uh, for everything, uh, he's given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us every great and precious promise so that through them, you might share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption of the world. So this power helps us escape the corruption of the world. And because of that, he says, for this reason, make every effort then to add to your faith or supplement to your faith goodness, and with goodness, knowledge, and with knowledge, self-control, and with self-control, endurance, and with endurance, godliness, with godliness, brotherly affection, and with brotherly affection, love. That's just fruit of the Spirit. I, I want to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. I want to know that the power of God is what rests on me, and, and only the power of God is what can produce the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And he says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, like the more I grow in this, the more I yield to the power of God in my heart and in my spirit, 
the more I'm going to grow, right? And it says, if you, in, if you possess these in increasing measure, they will keep you from. This is great. This is the application. This is what everyone wants. Brandon, tell me what will keep me from this. I can tell you, but then you're like, well, I don't know if I believe that. It's, it's true. Like, it's God's power. It's less of you, more of him. It says it will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on, he says, in contrast, the person, and I wrote next in my notes, me or you, the person, me or you, who lacks these things. So who, who lacks the yielding of their own spirit and says, God, it's, it's not me that's got this, it's you, I need you. I want to rest in your power, I want to rely on your power. And in fact, I'm going to grow in the things you want me to grow in, which means I'm going to probably set aside the things you don't want me to be involved with. But the person who doesn't do that, who lacks these things, is blind and short-sighted. And, he says this, has forgotten. We're, we're blind and short-sighted because we forget. So if, if you and I want to be devoted to Christ in, in the deep devotion, it takes careful remembrance lest we forget and become blind and short-sighted. And we're short-sighted and forgotten what? The cleansing of my past sin, that God is the one who does it. It's not me. He goes on, he says, Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you know them and are established in the truth you now have. This is important. As Peter writes this, it's, it's, it's interesting you ever see this at home or maybe your own self. Someone keeps saying, oh, you always tell me that. You always say that. You always remind me of that. This is what Peter's doing. And listen to me, church, I know that you know these things. But I know just like you know these things and I know these things that I'm a forgetful person. And if I'm a forgetful person, and that means you're a forgetful person too. And if you're forgetful and I'm forgetful, what does that require? What's that? A reminder. A reminder. You need to be reminding me about the faithfulness and goodness of God over and over. I need that. You need that. And so we need that reminder over and over again that God is good, that God has done this, that only in God's power can we actually thrive in our faithfulness to Him. We need that reminder, amen? I, I, I do. And, and it starts when I wake up in the morning, like, like remembering who I am. I want to be reminded and remember so I don't find myself short-sighted or blind. And the author of Hebrews says that, that it, when we forget, we actually would throw away our confidence. He says, be reminded and remember so that you don't throw away your confidence in the Lord, which has great reward. You know, our confidence in who the Lord is and what he has done is of great value to us because we, we can be comfortable walking around in our own skin in God's spirit. Like, you know what, I'm, I'm good because God is good. If I'm reminded of that over and over, as the world bombards me, says, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not rich enough, you don't have enough, you get this. It's, we are bombarded with lies from the enemy all around us. Every single moment of every single day. We have to remember who God is and who God is, who, what God has done for us. And so we, we won't throw away our confidence, which has great reward. We need to devote ourselves to carefully remember what Christ has done for us, and that we are confident of what he can do in us and through us. But what does this look like? What does it look like to really remember? 
And I wrote a few things down. I think you could probably write some more. A few, a few ways to do this. We should remember or reflect on our sin and know that we are sinful, that we don't have it all together, that what we really think like in our default is probably not what is accurate or right, and our propensity towards the flesh and fulfilling what is comfortable for us is probably our default, and that our sin has separated us from God. And the only remedy of that is the Son, Jesus Christ, who died and gave himself for me. He shed his blood that I would be forgiven. So we remember our sin, but then we remember God's grace. And we remember our flesh, that our flesh is weak. But as we remember our flesh is weak, we remember what? The Spirit is strong. The Spirit is our strength. And, and we remember the world. I think we need to consider the world and that the world does bombard us and, and, and the world bombards us with, with things that are worthless and would distract us away from the cause of Christ and would cause us to stumble in so many ways. The world pushes us towards worthless thinking. But God is ready to renew our minds and renew our strength. What are some ways we can do that? Well, God's Word. God's Word. Open it up and read it. Be reminded constantly of who He is and what He's done for you. Re hear God's Word. Read God's Word. God's people is another way to be reminded. W what are we doing right now today? We as the people of God are gathering together and as we sing songs to one another, we pray for one another, we look at the Word of God, we are reminding ourselves of how great God is. We are being encouraged even while we are sinners, Christ died for us. We are being encouraged that, that while I don't have the strength and while my flesh is weak, He is strong and He can be my everything. We participate together in remembrance and not only on Sunday morning, but throughout the week, finding time to gather with other believers and, and share that fellowship together, share that strength together. We do it by God's Word. We do it with people, God's people, and we do it with God's Spirit we do it with God's Spirit. As we're in God's Word and with God's people, God's Spirit is allowed to speak more loudly to us. We're ready to hear when we've been in His Word and been around His people. The more time you spend away from His Word, the more time you spend away from His people, the harder time you'll have hearing from the Holy Spirit. So if we're with God's people and in God's Word, all we have to do now is listen. Just listen to God. Like, God, you, there you are. You showed up. Oh, this is what you want me to do. I, I'll do that. That's what he has for us. That's what it looks like to remember. We need to practice, if we want to be devoted followers of Christ, practice careful remembrance. Number two, what does the church's devotion look like? It looks like deep commitment. Deep commitment. So we have careful remembrance, and now we go to deep commitment. Go back to Deuteronomy 6, and we'll look at verse 13 through 16. Deep commitment. It says, For the Lord your God, or fear the Lord your God, and worship him. Take your oaths in His name. Like there's a commitment to the Lord your God, right? And it says, do not follow other gods. The gods of the peoples around you. Right? This is, these are idols. Don't follow other idols, other gods, little g gods, right? They, they exist. We always think, well, they're, they're not real gods. My kids, I love them. When my kids talk about this, they're, they, someone says God on the show or, they, or that's, that's a god. They're like, that's not God. That's, that's a small god. That's right. It's a small god. But, but everything that is in our life could potentially become a small God. It'll never surpass God as far as supremacy in the universe, right? But in our heart, it might. We might, we might raise a small G God up above the big G God in our heart. 
And we aren't to do that. Our devotion is to not have idols. It goes on, it says, and, and, uh, or the idols of the gods or the gods of the peoples around you. So it, we often look at the peoples around us. Like, ooh, I, I'm distracted with them. They're my people. When we talk about being devoted and a deep commitment, we are committed to not having idols and we are committed to this people. These are your people. Now, it doesn't mean you can't have friends outside of the body of Christ, but those friends are not friends of influence in your life. You are a friend of influence in theirs. These are the friends that you should let your hair down around. These are the friends that you should be able to live in community with. These are the friends that you should be able to be vulnerable with and ask for prayer for. They're the ones that potentially you can hang out in your pajamas around. That's the body of Christ. That's a, di a deep devotion and a deep commitment away from idols and towards one another, which means away from others, but towards one another. He goes on. Uh, he says, for the Lord your God who's among you is a jealous God. I, mean, I read this earlier and you're like, whoa, what does that mean, right? Otherwise, the Lord your God will become angry with you and obliterate you from the face of the earth. It's in the text. I had to read it. I mean, I, I could have skipped it, I guess. What does it mean? It means God might get angry and kill you. Now, that's what it meant for Israel. He was telling Israel, listen, you follow me. Be my people. If you won't, then I, I'll find another people. But, but here's what it means for us. I mean, certainly there are consequences to sin. If we follow other gods, there are consequences, natural and maybe divine, in our life. But, but here's what I want you to, to see, what happens. When we decide to make other small g gods gods in our life, this has generational impact. The faithfulness that we show here and the faith we show here in the Lord will impact our children today and their children and their children and their children. But if we forsake the God of the Bible, we forsake God and we pursue other gods and other peoples, that's not you because you're all here today. But if we forsake God and pursue other gods and other peoples, what do you think is going to happen to the legacy of of faith within our families. It will be obliterated from the face of the earth. I said this, I think, in the first, maybe the second sermon as well. When we talk about raising our children up in the training and instruction of the Lord, when we talk about, about helping them to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, it is not just about my one son and my one daughter. It is about their friends. It is about our church and our children in our church. It is about their children and their children and their children. Because what they are learning from us today is what they will imitate tomorrow. And if we bow down to the gods in this world and, and, and want to please and have friendship with the world and others in this world, that legacy of faith will be obliterated from the face of the earth. You understand? It's generational. Our deep commitment has to be here today because it matters for tomorrow and for the next generation to come. James writes, he says, what is pure religion? He says, keep oneself unstained from the world. From idols. Keep oneself from idols. How are you committed to this? How are you committed to this? From being unstained by the world. Well, you can look and see what your friendship with the world looks like. What, what, what do you watch? What do you view? Right? What do you read? What do you joke about and talk about? Is it worldly filth? 
Or is it a response to be holy as I am holy, as God says? And, and I'm not just saying, well, you better, better shape up or else. I'm saying if you want to be deeply committed to the Lord, He's asking that you abstain from the filth of the world. And it is, it is slept, it is slipped in everywhere. Everywhere. So we, that, this devotion has to be deep commitment. It's, we have careful remembrance. We should have careful commitment as well, right? What are you committed to? The movies you watch, the, maybe the magazines you subscribe to and read, the TV shows that you continue to watch, maybe the clubs you're a part of that really aren't honoring to God. And they're probably a, a little filthy or dirty. We are committed to the things that we give our time to. We are committed to the things we give our money to. And we are committed to the things that we help and serve in. Do you want to know what you're committed to? Look at those things. Your time, your treasure, and your talents. Where are they going? Where are they being spent? Habakkuk 2.18 and 2.20 says, what use is a carved idol? And that's, that's the question. What use are these idols? What use is a carved idol after its craftsman carves it? It's only a cast image, a teacher of lies. For the one who crafts its shape, trust in it, and makes worthless idols that cannot speak. You see the dilemma there? I make an idol, and then I trust in it as my God. But I made it. Something I created, I now bow down to in worship as though it's supreme. But I created it. That's what the world does. All kinds of idols everywhere that are worthless idols. Woe to him who says to wood, wake up! Or to a mute stone, come alive! Can it teach? Look, it might be plated with gold or silver, yet there is no breath in it at all. But the Lord, He is in His holy temple. Let the whole earth be silent in His presence. The Lord, who's in His holy temple, the creator of all the cosmos, creator of you and I, the, the Redeemer who came to give His life as a sacrifice for our sins, who died in our place, not because He had done something wrong, because something I had done wrong. He's the real God. Not some rock stone thing or some piece of jewelry or gold uh, craft someone's made or built. Those are not gods. They're worthless. What use is an idol? Paul writes in Galatians, you used to be enslaved to these things. He says, uh, you were enslaved to these things that by our nature, not gods. We were enslaved before Jesus. Then he, then he says, how can you turn back again to these weak and worthless elements? Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? No. The answer should be no. I don't want to be a slave to these objects, to these little G gods. That's not what I want at all. And, and, and Paul writes, in, uh, writes to Titus. And he, says, he says this, that you were enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in, a, in malice and envy. And that, what, here's what that slavery did. That slavery affected one another. You were hating and detesting one another. You see, when we, when we aren't careful to, to devote ourselves to deep commitment, to not only stay away from idols and stay away from being polluted by the world, but we, we become enslaved to them, we don't have a deep commitment to one another. What we have to one another is, is hate and malice and detest for one another. So I would argue that if you have a hateful heart or envy or, or malice or detesting, in your heart towards one of these brothers or sisters that you have, you are walking back into slavery of gods that aren't God. And you are not being careful to remember him, and you're not being careful to, to keep a deep devotion and commitment to him 
and to one another. He, remind, he reminds us in Titus, says, when the kindness of God and our, God our Savior uh, showed up, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, the washing and regeneration, renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out his Spirit on us abundantly through Christ Jesus, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This is what God has given us, the promise of, of being part of the body, the family of God, being his. He says this, he says, this is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might, here's the word, be careful, be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone. Everyone. Again, our, our deep devotion, our deep commitment is to be away from idols and to be committed then to one another. And I would argue the final part of that is to be committed generationally. I want to commit not only just to be good myself and kind of keep quiet, but no, be good and to invest in children in the next generations to come. We were once idolaters. If you, do, if you have Christ today, you were once an idolater uh, and, and we were of no benefit to one another. But God has devoted himself to us. And now we remember and we become careful to devote ourselves to him and to each other. Uh, real quick on this deep commitment about the things of this world. I want to I give you a, a couple of things that I, I heard this in a sermon this week, so I'm stealing this from somebody else, um, that I really thought was profound. Here, here are a few things. If you tolerate evil, evil will dominate you. If you tolerate evil, evil will dominate you. Next thing is evil must be stopped because evil never stops itself. Right? We, have, we have our God and we have Satan who is at work to steal, kill, and destroy, to, to prowl around and devour, to be an accuser of the brethren. That's who we're fighting against. And, and it's not just like there's a demon that's alive today and he dies and he's gone. Demons are thinking generationally too. Evil must be stopped. So we think, oh, well, tomorrow will be a new day. I will stop doing what I was doing yesterday. No big deal. How, do, how does that work for you? Not good. Why? Because evil doesn't stop itself. You and I have to push it back and push against. Because demons don't die. I just said this, right? They plan generationally. They want your children and your children's children too. Not just you. Not just about you. About us. And about the generations to come. And finally, people who say, maybe you think it's about you, and you say this, people, I'm not hurting anyone. People who say they're not hurting anyone are hurting everyone. Are hurting everyone. So if you tolerate evil, evil will dominate you. So what do we do? Our, our devotion should be deep commitment away from idols towards one another, thinking generationally. Finally, number three. Our devotion is to do justice, to love mercy, and walk Humbly. Now, I realize that's not the Deuteronomy passage. You're like, that's Micah 6, 8, and we're going to see that in a minute. But it fits our Deuteronomy passage as well. I'll read that, and we'll come back to it in a minute as well. Uh, Pick it up at verse 17 through 21 of Deuteronomy 6. Carefully observe the commands of the Lord your God, the decrees and statutes that he has commanded you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that, that you may prosper and you may enter and possess 
the good land the Lord your God swore to give your ancestors by driving out all your enemies before you, as the Lord has said. And when your son asks you in the future, what's the meaning of the decrees and the statutes, the ordinances that the Lord your God has, Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. Now, we'll look at this in a moment. We'll come back to this, and we'll see this justice and mercy and humility there. But Micah 6.8 says this, Mankind, he has told you, each of you, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. This is the, the question. Brandon, what does the Lord require of me? Here it is. Ready? What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy or faithfulness, and to walk humbly with our God. It's interesting that the, the tips, you know, the seven tips that we have to success on our magazine rack, which change every month, the tips in our faith are always the same. Like, it's the same, you can't, you come back again, Brandon, that didn't work, what's the answer? Same answer. Read it again. Same answer, right? To do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly. Uh, Deuteronomy, later on in chapter 10, it says, Now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you except to fear the Lord your God? Walk in his ways, to love him and to worship the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul. Keep the Lord's commands and statutes I'm giving you today for your own good. He's like, this is, I want you to revere me. I want you to do what is right, right? Act justly. Do what is right. Now, I want to, I want to reflect back on the Deuteronomy passage. And, and think about this today as we get ready to partake in the Lord's Supper together, as we get ready to carefully remember what the Lord has done, that our devotion is to this, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. And I think that's, that's absolutely what we do as we partake together today in the Lord's Supper, that we do it rightly, we do what is right, remembering the Lord is holy, that He is good, that His ways are all right and pure. And while I don't always live up to that, I know what He's asking of me. And what is right is to remember. And to love mercy. This is a testimony of His mercy. That while you were a sinner, while I was a sinner, Christ Jesus died and gave Himself for you. You didn't deserve that kind of love, but He gave it to you anyway. That's mercy. You deserve different punishment. I deserve different punishment, but He withheld that. And He gave you mercy through His shed blood on the cross. And then it says to walk humbly. Again, this goes back to the point number one. What are we remembering? As I, as I partake in the Lord's Supper, what does it mean to walk humbly? It means that I didn't do a single thing to earn this. He did it all. I don't got this. but He does. And I need more of him. So if we look at that passage one last time in Deuteronomy 6, and you'll see how this breaks up. Let's look at justice, mercy, and, and humility. He says, do what is right in verse 18 and good in the Lord's sight. That's what is right, right? What is right is righteous and do justice. He goes on, he says, uh, uh, you're gonna enter the land that the Lord God swore to give your ancestors. And how was he gonna do this? By driving out all your enemies before you. Driving out all your enemies before you. Not because you could do it, because he is a good God. Because he's a powerful God. Because he decided he would have mercy on us and on them. God's mercy and we should be merciful as well. We should love His mercy. Love His mercy every day. And then it says, walk humbly. Verse 21, the answer to our children's question. Tell me about the Lord. What has He done? Why, why do we keep His commands? Why? Because once I was a slave, I was a slave to sin and death. I was a slave to Pharaoh in Egypt. Once I was a slave, and then what? The Lord freed me. 
and I am now a son and child of him through faith in Christ. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was what? Lost, but now I am found, was blind, but now I see. Now I see. We've got to continue to remind ourselves of that. That's, this is the application, right? Our, our, our devotion to carefully remember. Our devotion to deep commitment and our devotion to do justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly. I'm going to ask our, our worship team to come back up. They're going to lead us in some reflective song here in a moment as we partake. Those who have asked to serve the Lord's Supper, if you come have a seat here in the front for a moment, I'd appreciate that as well. We'll get ready to serve the Lord's Supper. Our children are going to come back in and join us. Here, uh, here they come now. And, and as they do, they're going to get to partake as well and, and, and experience and, and at least watch what we're doing, if nothing else. So as we reflect, as we remember, as we think about this right now and on, on our devotion to the Lord, my, my, my prayer, my heart, my heart's prayer, my heart's desire is I want to do what's right in God's sight. I want to do what's pleasing to Him. That's what I want to be devoted to. I want to confess my short-sightedness and my shortcomings. My, I want to confess my propensity to move towards idols and other gods and, and others, pleasing others or taking on the influence of others. I want to confess that. And I, and I want to embrace His mercy. I want, to, I want to do what's right. I want to love what's right. I want to love His mercy. And, and that while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. And I remember His mercy. And that we all would, in, in deep, deep humility, participate today and make it as, as a careful remembrance of what he has done for us. And the remembrance is this, that we were once dead in our sin and slaves to sin and death. But Christ, who is rich in mercy, died, gave himself as an offering for us to atone for our sins, that, that if we put our faith in him, that we would be cleansed from our sin and forgiven and made new that by his stripes we would be healed. We were once slaves, and now we are free in Christ. Amen? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your, your grace and your mercy and your love. We thank you that, that while we were sinners, you died for us. And God, as we, as we seek so hard at times to desire an application that's just show me the way, tell me the right steps, God, may we come back to this place of, of devoting ourselves, of real devotion. God, that is careful remembrance. God, that is deep commitment away from idols and towards one another generationally. And God, that is a devotion to do, to do what is just and right, to love your mercy more and more. God, and to walk in humility, knowing that it is nothing that we have accomplished or done in our own strength or on our own, but God, it is all about what you have done for us. We thank you and we praise you in Christ's name.